Welcome to the Reno Storytellers Project, brought to you by the Reno Gazette Journal. This podcast features oral storytellers who strengthen empathy and connect our community through diverse first-person stories of Northern Nevada. In this story, Chris Johnson discovered a person who cared about her and helped her out of a tough health situation when she was a child. But that person wasn't family like you'd expect. In fact, the whole story is a little bit unexpected. This is Episode 9, Finding the Right Person at the Right Time. So my mom is the queen of taking pictures. Not anything embarrassing. She's not really into selfies. But if there is a family event, she is there without fail taking pictures. So of course, there are dozens of pictures of me. And I've got pictures in frilly white baby clothes and playing with toys. Me running for elementary school class secretary. (laughs) Me at high school dances, college graduation. And most recently, a LinkedIn-worthy pic that I took from my employer's company website. Pictures are worth a thousand words. But the words no one ever thinks of when looking at all these pics of me is foster care and adoption. You see, you can see the transition from happy, sleepy baby to happy, still very sleepy adult. (laughs) But you can't see the profound effect that adoption has had on my life and the person that I am today. So let me tell you. I was born in the winter of 1982, January. And it could have been 70 degrees that year. It could have been three feet of snow, but that is just the nature of winter in Baltimore. From what I know of my biological mother, she presented in the emergency room having contractions, but denying that she was pregnant. Thankfully, that did not stop me from being born. (laughs) But upon my birth, I was placed up for adoption while residing in foster care. Now, when people hear foster care, they think Annie, and there are some experiences like that. But my experience was actually living in a home with a family. There are actually really wonderful people who temporarily open their homes up for children who need placement for as long as they need it. But for me, I live with a middle-aged couple and their two sons, one in middle school, the other in high school. And typical day was wake up, eat, play, sleep, repeat. And it was a really good existence. But in 1983, I got really sick and I started having digestive issues. It got so bad that I had to be admitted to a specialty children's hospital in Baltimore City. At that point, they just started evaluating me, trying to figure out exactly what it was that was wrong with me. And so they did blood draws, but my veins were so small, they had to draw blood from between my fingers. And all the stress that I went through, it actually put me in a position where I started to withdraw and I stopped walking, I stopped talking, and I stopped eating. At that point, they decided to intubate me to be able to feed me, so I didn't have to eat on my own. They evaluated me to find out what was going on, and what actually ended up coming back was a diagnosis of developmental delay. Now, developmental delay presents itself in many ways, but it can range from not meeting the same physical benchmarks as other kids, like height and weight, or you can have problems with social interaction and learning. My diagnosis said that I would never be normal. I would be behind other kids or slow. 
And for me, it was just this circular thing. I was away from home because I was sick. And then I was sick because I was away from home. But I did get a very good bright spot in my life at that point. I met an employee at the hospital that worked in the nutrition department. And she would come in, talk to me every day, three times a day for meals, obviously. And she spent her time drawing me out, finding out what things I like to do, the things I like to eat, <laughs> obviously. And what do you know? I started to get better. I started to gain weight. I started talking to people. And I got back to the business of walking. I got so much better, they could take the tube out. And I could actually return to my foster family in Anne Arundel County. But I still had to come back for occupational and physical therapy just to make sure that I was actually still getting better even though I was living in foster care. But I was still happy with those days that I got to come back because I got to see her, my bright spot. And we became really good friends. She would take the hour ride to visit me in Anne Arundel County. I would take the hour ride to visit her in Baltimore City. And it got, we got to be such good friends that we actually started sleepovers. And I'd go sleep over and stay at her house. I got to meet her son, who was seven at the time, and all of her family members, her nieces and nephews who are about my age. So now I've got playmates, right? And in 1984, she decided to make the sleepover permanent and started the process to adopt me, which is great. I get to stay with my new best friend. But, you know, it's a tough thing. All this stuff is happening for me behind the scenes. There's background checks, home visits, social workers, doctors, all telling her, you sure you wanna do this? This is a disabled child you're gonna be bringing home. You're gonna be stuck with this child the rest of your life. This is adoption, it's not foster care. They don't go back to anywhere. But she was determined. And when her family asked her the same questions, she's still determined. But as determined as she was, she was equally heartbroken the day that social workers called and told her that another family with no kids, a couple, wanted to adopt me and that they would be better suited parents because they were a traditional family. She and her best friend recounted to me how she spent the whole day following that phone call crying in the bathroom at work. But as easily as circumstances change, they can change again. The couple dropped out of the adoption process at the last minute, and I got to stay with my best friend after all. Today, I call her mommy. And as for the developmental delay and never being normal, well, I mean, I've read hundreds of books, mostly due to her and weekly trips to the library. <laughs> At my fastest speed, I can run a 10-minute mile. <laughs> I've managed federal programs for the government with millions of dollars in their budget. And it's just been, I mean, easy for me. I mean, I've been a pretty much 3.5 college graduate, one of four in my family, including her. And she's always been there, just always encouraging me to do the things that I want to do. When I decided that 12, that I wanted to be a writer, she bought me a typewriter. When I said in high school, you know what, I want to be a translator for the UN, she says, you know what, take Chinese language class in, in high school and tell me if you still like it, still want to do it. 
And two years ago, when I told her I wanted to move across the country to Reno, Nevada, for a career opportunity, she said, if that's what you want to do, you should do it. Home will be here. Baltimore will be here. For her, she never believed that I had developmental delay. And I guess by proxy, I couldn't believe that I had it either. Besides, if this is being not normal, I'm okay with that. This podcast was produced by the Reno Gazette Journal. I'm Mike Higdon. Thanks for listening to the Reno Storytellers Project.